Welcome to Podcast 1017. This podcast will feature interviews with Drew's professionals who are experts in their fields and who will share their experiences and success stories. We hope the podcast will allow you to not only learn about various industries, but also inspires you to achieve your own version of greatness. Network 1017 knows the importance of a strong network and have made it our mission to provide you opportunities to build professional networks and to cultivate success within our community. This episode is brought to you by the generous donations of our sponsors, Dr. Ramsey and Dr. Ramona Dakur, Dr. Malik and Dr. Rana Najjar, Joe and Randa Razal, Nabil and Dad Al-Mashtu, Wael and Diana Fayad, Mike and Salam Ghaida, Dr. Ramiz and Linda Masri. Thank you. Hey guys, I have the pleasure of introducing an executive director for MedWish International, Ms. Carolina Masri. And Carolina is going to talk to us a little bit about nonprofit work, fundraising, and humanitarian efforts. So Carolina, I know you started off by working for St. Jude's Hospital, correct, as a researcher, and then led you to the nonprofit career of, you know, being an executive director. Do you mind explain to us how you got started and how this, you know, how you got into this journey? Sure. So actually, even before St. Jude, I started with the American Drew Society many, many years ago as their executive director. And I had the opportunity to work for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I did a little bit of development with them. And uh, right after that, I relocated here to Cleveland and I started working for Medwish International, which is another nonprofit organization that I love and I've been with for the past four years. That's amazing. And, and how, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you first started with them? So, um, when I started with St. Jude or with Medwish? With St. Jude. With St. Jude. I mean, I, it's sad to say, but all of us have been touched by a family member that has lost battle against cancer, and I was not the exception. Uh, my dad died to leukemia when I was seven years old, mm. and obviously that impacted my life in so many ways, and to be honest, I couldn't wrap my head around the idea that kids were also dying because of that terrible disease and many other so that was the main reason why I said, you know what, I really want to be part of, of doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to assist this organization by helping them get a step closer to the goal of their founder, Lebanese Danny Thomas, who always said, no child should die in the dawn of life. So I wanted to be part of that. I started as a donor. Then I became um, a volunteer. Right after that, I was a, com- a committee member, and then I was hired to run some of their fundraisers in the South Florida area. So that's how I connected with them and how I worked for them as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it just, I mean, working with, a, with a, an organization like that that's so huge, it's, it's really hard for, for you to get your foot into the door. Not even just that, but just basically getting an opportunity to really learn a lot from so many people and and for you to be able to do that and grow with them and and try to put your mark in the organization as well because of something that came so dear to your heart, you know, for the reasons behind it. That's that's phenomenal. It's really, really cool. Thank you. It is. Sorry about your father, by the way. Um, That's, that's, I'm sorry. Ali Yerhamu. So tell us a little bit more about the next step that you took. I know getting to uh, the nonprofit of St. Jude's prepared you for a lot that was to come. What, what happened afterwards when you decided it was time to move on and uh, pursue other things? So I, I developed that passion for nonprofits. And it's funny because it's a shift 
from my original background. Uh, I'm a, I did educational psychology. Oh, and wow. just to give you more background, I, I was born and raised in Venezuela, and that's what I studied, and I graduated, and I had this amazing job. And because of political reasons that a lot of people know, uh, I had to leave the country with a small carry-on and with a bunch of broken dreams, right? I came to a new country and I said, well, what's going to happen now? And I had to challenge myself and I had to learn new things and I had to do things that I was not comfortable doing as far as a different area of expertise. But I really uh, surrounded myself by very smart people who who guided me through the whole transition. And uh, that's how I learned a little bit more about the nonprofit world and I felt fascinated. I thought how cool it is to wake up every day, go to work and do something that's impacting so many lives. And um, to go back to your question, that's how I transitioned to, to this new industry, not new anymore for me. Uh, and I'm extremely passionate about it. And that's how I do what I do for Medlish as well. That's amazing. And wow, I didn't even know you, you left Venezuela, came here and, and at such a young age. I mean, what were your fears when you first came here to this country? I mean, how old were you, if you don't mind me asking? I was 22 years old. Oh. Two, two years old. So I came here like a couple years ago. <laughs> I came here when I was 22. And uh, obviously at that age, you're not thinking that you're going to change your, your career path at that you feel that well this is what I'm going to be doing forever so it was a cultural shock I had to change my perspective in so many aspects but in addition to that as I said initially you have to be open to the changes and you have to be open to to new things because it's not a matter of what I like it's a matter of what I need to do in order to adjust to this new country that provides me with so many opportunities that thankfully I didn't miss mm. and I am where I am because I, I really worked really hard and I pr I've proven myself and and I think really that's that's what gives you that little kick that little push right that's phenomenal and did you come alone or you came with your family so my family was here I came with my mom my mom actually followed me after um, it, it was just not easy to, to adjust as I said to a new culture uh, we were very close because Venezuela is about two and a half hours from, from Miami, where my family was. Yeah. So I used to jump back and forth very often. But it's different when, when you come and you start a new life. You're not coming just for the weekend or just for fun or just to, to do cool things with your family or to go to Disney World. <laughs> You're coming to work. And, um, and it is challenging. And I, I feel for everybody who has to make that change at some point in their life because they want that, because they want that or because they have to. Um, but it is doable. Right, right. I have cousins who came from Venezuela as well, and they have the same, similar story. And it's, and it's hard, especially because they're like 16, 15 years old. And to, to experience, especially at that age when you're also trying to understand yourself and, you know, really figure things out as well, hormonally, everything, you're just like, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in at a young age. And um, so I understand the Venezuelans, you guys are very tough, very tough people. So yeah, tough, people. <laughs> yeah, but tough, but in all good ways and um, all very successful. I've met so many, as many Jews as well on the podcast. We've had Venezuelans who've achieved so much great things. So props to you guys. There's a lot to learn. Um, I know you said you came when you were 22. Someone who's 22 listening to this podcast right now, what would you, what advice would you give them? Because I mean, there's a lot of Jewish kids who are coming from different countries and, and not even maybe just trying to have, find their, their voice in this world. What would, what advice would you give them? You're going to work hard 
it's not easy, okay? Mm -hmm. And there are so many things that you can do, so many things that you can do, but your eyes have to be constantly open to, to the opportunities. The opportunities are out there. We just have to find them and we have to be alert. Um, I think I go back to my story. I, I saw the opportunities and they were different from what I was used to do. Uh, and, and it was a different path, but I took the risk and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. This is the opportunity that's presenting itself and I'm going to give this a try. And thank God, I mean, I've been able to succeed. Um, and if I need to talk about the actual nonprofit world, it's, it's not necessarily the best paid uh, job out there, but it's extremely um, gratifying. It's just, as I said, it's wonderful to be able to to do something that, that you really care about. You're driven because of a, of a cause that you believe in. So if people are going to dive into the nonprofit world, I would say, yes, absolutely. Give it a try. Understand that, that it's not the best paid career, uh, but it gives you a lifetime of, of experiences that you're going to carry forever and you're going to pass along to people that hopefully you will be mentoring in the future as well. That's phenomenal. And you said something very important in how it led you to the next step. You said just to keep your eyes open and it's almost like listening and, and, and realizing that there are other opportunities out there that you would not have considered if you weren't listening. What, and I, I know I'm digging a little deeper because it's just, it's just because I know so many kids, you know, in the 20s, who are in their 20s or, you know, in their teens, and they're always asking, like, how do you know if this is the next move? How do you know if I should take this risk? Was it a feeling? Was it a... Uh, your family supporting you or like kind of nudging you to do it or what was it that you said this is the next move I, I, I feel it I'm not sure if this is going to sound right or not but I I just saw what some smart people were doing right and I, and I saw people who, who have the most amazing hearts doing something good for society doing something good for the community for humanity and and that inspired me and, and I realized that there was a lot of work associated to it, a lot of learning. Um, but but it I, I want, no, it didn't scare me. I really wanted to, to do it. I really wanted to be like them. So I think that I insist surrounding yourself by smart people truly help a lot when, when you don't know what you want. Mm. And I'm not saying that you're going to do only what they're doing. Uh, but somehow it, it gives you an opportunity to see that certain things are possible. and Or maybe it will give you the opportunity to see that that's not what you want. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't see it, if you don't go and do internships, if you don't go and volunteer or help, uh, you wouldn't have that close interaction with that thing that you want to call passion. I love, I love that you said that because this is the sole... And this is the the main problem our our teens and our just our youth in general, young professionals have because it's always like, well, what is my purpose? You know, everyone's so focused on what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? Or or you know, is this going to help the people I want to help? Or is this the right path for me? Right? And you said something very powerful. It's almost like you said, try many things that you that excites you, right? And then from there, you'll find your passion. But everyone, but what I liked what you said though, you didn't say you'll find your purpose from it, or you didn't talk about the purpose. You just said find your passion, and and that's so powerful because when you find your passion, that's when your purpose comes. Because right. you take that passion, and then see how you can help others along the way with this as well. Because it's it's I mean you look at all the smart people. They found what they were good at, 
they knew it was hard work, but they're good at what they do and they enjoyed the journey and the process, right? And then they were able to take that and say, okay, how can I help more people do the same thing or through what I'm doing? Right, right. And I think that the circumstances also are different. Mm -hmm. uh, I studied to become a psychologist. I wanted to help kids with the special needs. And, and that was my passion at that point. And unfortunately, because of what happened in my country and because I had to come to, to, the, to America, um, I couldn't pursue that dream. And things do happen. I mean, some people are lucky enough to continue their education and pursue these dreams. These and, and, and I couldn't do it. So I had to reinvent myself and I had to try something different that I am equally passionate about, if not more. Right. I love that. I, that's it's such, a, such a powerful thing to hear because it just shows that if you take a little bit of risk on yourself, you know, great things can come your way. And if it doesn't, but it's only leading you to the, to the path that you, you're meant to go on, right? So I love that. That's, that's phenomenal. So then, okay. So before we keep getting into too deep, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know more about MedWiz. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And then kind of, um, you know, what did you have to do to get to that executive position? Maybe someone who's already in nonprofit is looking to somehow, you know, leadership role. What did you, what were the steps? I know there's a lot of questions thrown at you, but I'm, I'm just well, curious. Let me start by telling you what is MedWish. Mm -hmm. uh, so people have a better understanding. Um, MedWish is a Cleveland-based nonprofit organization. And what we do is we repurpose usable medical supplies and equipment, and we provide humanitarian aid all over the world. How do we do that? I mean, we procure all these supplies from more than 120 healthcare institutions in the Northeast Ohio area. So we work with all these hospitals and all these systems. Uh, but in addition to that, something that's pretty cool is that we have about anywhere between three and 4,000 volunteers that come to Medwish every year to help us and pack all these supplies. I mean, we cannot do it. We're only 10 staff members. Okay. Um, and then we, we work with these amazing recipients all over the world uh, that help us serve remote villages and communities in, in areas where they truly need all these supplies, where they don't have access to these um, supplies. And, and the reality is, and the reality, the reality is heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking. There is a major need in so many parts of the world that, that we just don't see. So that's a little bit of what we do at Medwish. We also have medical mission trips. We, we, we are also a training site for individuals with a special needs. So we have lots of programs and lots of um, populations that we, that we tap into. Um, how I got into that position? I mean, I, I interviewed, I met with the founder, who's another inspiring individual, and uh, I took the challenge. I mean, I understood that they went through a lot of leadership, leadership um, challenges for a few years, and I said, you know, I'll be happy to help the organization go to what we call the next level. Uh, let's give it a try. But it was very uh, intimidating because, again, I used to work in development. I was used to work only in these fundraising arms where I was just hosting these fun events and raising money for, for, for a nonprofit. And now here I am in the middle of the operations, in the middle of a warehouse, talking about um, racking systems, talking about tow motors, talking about talking about pallets and containers, and I had to learn it, and I did it, and now I'm overseeing all these efforts, and, and we divert an average of half a million pounds of supplies and equipment every year from local landfills. So that is huge, right? And as you interact with all these volunteers as well, you learn so much from them. You see the passion out there. And there are challenges. We'll talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Um, but truly, you, you just, it, 
if you want to reach these levels, you have to be open to, to learning and you have to try to educate yourself as much as you can. And you try, you try to do all these seminars and workshops. I don't miss any of these. I mean, I try to do as many as I can, right? Because again, I did not go to school to learn how to run a warehouse, but I have to figure it out. I got to get my employees OSHA certified. I got to make sure that we, we don't get fined because we don't know how we're using all these machines. Um, but you learn it and then you, you just become little by little an expert. <laughs> I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I really wanted to make sure that uh, at least you understood what Medwish was all about. No, because that was one of my questions anyway. So no, it's because um, I, I was doing some research and I was trying to understand what Medwish did, but to hear from you, it, it's much more clear. And I gotta say, the medical industry is very tough and you have to be very, very knowledgeable in what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're offering. So, to, so I understand when you say it's a lot of hard work. I mean, I run a marketing agency and to deal with a lot of medical uh, doctors that would ask us to do marketing for them, I, I had to like educate myself, even though I'm not in the industry and I don't have to necessarily, you know, serve any of the patients or, you know, help them anyway, but I did need to make sure that whatever I'm putting out there was aligning to the rules and regulations. Wow. And, and it's just, I can only imagine taking that even more further and, you know, dealing with more people and the machines. So yeah, I right. that's for customs as you send these containers yeah. around the world, making sure that you're following the World Health Organizations, that you are sending things that are good to be used here, but also abroad. Um, lots of code of regulations and conduct that you, you need to learn. Um, but it's, again, fascinating. Yeah, no, I mean... That's amazing. And, to, and I can see what you said. It's totally different than what you did. But I mean, psychology itself, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that helped you along the way with just understanding people. But, but that's, that's phenomenal. So now I know, what would you say? Okay, let's start with this before we go into the challenges. What would you say was your strength walking in as this leader, as an executive director? What would you say you brought to the table that was different from past uh, directors or who had your position? So... I'm very disciplined, right? And I, I, if I have something in mind and that's my vision, I try to make sure everybody abroad understands it, uh, on board, I'm sorry, understands it, and, and everybody goes with me to make sure that, that, that we're going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, understanding where you want to take the organization and accepting the challenges is extremely important. Um, not be afraid of the changes. There were so many changes. We had to move the warehouse. We had to do so many things. Um, it's just thinking always, who are we helping? What, who are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? And that's truly what keeps you going. So I do believe, and I told this to my board of directors, I'm, like, I'm here to stay. I'm not going anywhere. And we're going to go through the ups and downs together. And we're going to make it happen. And four years later, I'm happy and proud to say that we've accomplished so much. We're in the middle of launching new programs. We're in the middle of our new strategic planning. And, and I mean, the future just looks very bright for the organization. And I'm not saying that it was just me. It was an amazing team that made it possible. Okay. So um, probably those are some of the strengths. It seems like you are, this the biggest strength you have is what I'm hearing is you're a visionary and you're really good at being able to take that leadership leadership position and, and empower your your, your uh your whole board and your whole team, which is fine. Right, right. And, and it's not always easy. I mean, you always have individuals who might not see eye to eye and who might say, well, this is not a good idea. And you have to be able to listen and understand 
what is it that, that they're concerned about? And it's not always 100% agreement, uh, but at least you have the majority of, of a board or the majority of your staff members who believe that, you know what, let's give this a try. Yeah. And uh, sometimes things work out beautifully and sometimes they don't. So we just learn from it. Right. I love that. That's phenomenal. And I know Joe told me, well, well, he told me that, and I think, I don't know, I'm sure we can bring it up since this is going to be going out way later, uh, that you accepted or you were winning, you were getting an award or was it that you were accepted for something that was, uh, that was like phenomenal for women? Oh, oh, it was 25 most uh, influential women. Am I so right? Well, yeah, there are a couple of things. That happened um, in 2014. People, okay. actually people in Espanol, named me, um, one of the top most powerful women in the U.S. And that was really cool. At that time, I was working for St. Jude. And um, no, no, no. Wow. I think that at that point, I truly needed to hear that I was powerful. It was one of those years where like, oh, my God, I feel so weak. And it was so important to hear that, yeah, you're powerful. Uh, but I always say it, that, rec that recognition was not just for me. That recognition was for the thousands of women that work for that organization and who, who are even in higher levels and uh, have done an amazing job to bring, to bring St. Jude to what it is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I accepted it, the, the recognition with, I mean, in a humble way, uh, but that was one. And I think Joe also was asking me last night about something that's coming up in about a week. Yes. Um, and it's with Crane's um, business. It's, it's uh, Cleveland Crane's business. Um, they're, they're actually, what I mean, with a group of ladies here who are considered notable women in the nonprofit sector. So that's actually going out in about a week. And I'm also very excited about that. Congratulations. That's, that's a phenomenal, those two awards is phenomenal to get, especially yeah, thank you. As someone who's worked this hard and through Drew's as well. It's, that's very inspiring. It is. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. I, I'm sure any, anybody who's in the, I know a lot of Drew's that are in many different nonprofits that they're passionate about. So I know once they hear this, they're just going to be so proud and also just inspired to do more for what, where they're at. And I think that's, um, that's going to be, I think, one thing that you're going to do that's going to take you even the next notch, you know, higher in our community. So thank you. Thank you. And I do tell you, the nonprofit world is full of very smart people, very smart people and individuals who are extremely passionate. And I say this to everybody that I interview, you got to have a special skin to work in the nonprofit world. And I truly cannot describe what it is. Um, but it is a special skin that you need because you work so hard. You wear a gazillion hats. I mean, it's not just what your job description says. You do way more than that. Uh, you don't get paid like people in the corporate world, but yet you have to find that, that balance that gives you some sort of satisfaction um, because you're doing what you're doing. So for sure, kudos to all of those who are also in the nonprofit world. Thank you. And I, I am sure they're going to be very proud to hear about your story. So this is awesome. So let's talk about the challenges, because <laughs> I know there is many. Uh, let's say someone who's listening to this is thinking about the nonprofit world, but still isn't sure if this is the journey they want to take. I always say that if you're going to go after your passions, make sure it's not because of the outcome, it's because of the journey that you're going through, right? Because sometimes that outcome doesn't come till 10 or 20 years, maybe five, we don't know. So it's, you have to enjoy the, the process. So what, what does the process look like on, on, on a side of the challenges, if that makes sense, it, with least Medwish? So as the executive director at Medwish, and, and I'm going to start by saying um, there's some great days, and there are some days when I wake up 
crying, calling the president of my board, like, oh, we're going to do this. This is crazy. Uh, and it, it is what it is, right? Uh, and then you need just somebody to shake you up and say, hey, you've been doing this. You can do it. You can handle it. Um, but anybody in the nonprofit would agree that um, fundraising is usually very challenging, right? And, and you need the money to, to expand programs and you need the money um, to impact more people and do more good work. Um, but we do struggle when it comes to these things like expanding programs, uh, telling the story. You know how many lives we touch and how many lives we save and how many ta lives we impact and we're not able to tell the story sometimes, or we say it just, I don't know, I think that that's a huge struggle and lots of nonprofits go through it or leaders in the nonprofit go through it. Um, and I think that another reality in the nonprofit world is retention. I mean, it's a tiring job and, and there is a lot of turnover. So we're gonna try to be creative as to how we truly let people stick around and, and, and work with us because as I said, you wear, many hats and, and you do a lot of work so again i'm not trying to scare people but i really need everybody who's listening to to understand that that you can be as successful as you want and you can achieve as much as you want but you have to understand that you have to work hard some nonprofit organizations are grassroots ones they don't have all these resources and all these um tools that will allow you just to succeed because because you're awesome. Uh, you gotta reinvent things and you gotta be creative. So that's very important to keep in mind. And again, I look at the camera and I say, you can achieve as much as you want, but you have to understand that you gotta work hard. Um, it's not as simple as just working in the, non in, in the corporate world. And I'm not saying that that's not good, it's amazing, but they're just totally different. Right, different, yeah. Different roles, different jobs, different salaries, right? And different resources. And that's also very true. So important. <laughs> and, well, my biggest question is then, when people are hearing this, what would you say, so you, you, you named those challenges. As an executive director now with for MedWish, what are you doing to uh, make sure that the stories are being heard? Or let's say, I know it's hard because of fundraising, in a perfect world, how would you have loved to do that if you had enough funding? Maybe another Jewish person is listening to this and says, hey, I actually want to fund for her organization. What? Oh. What would it be that you, you would, what was your, what would be your solution to all the challenges that, you know, to make sure that it, people do get heard and the stories are clean? So funding is, as I said, it's always a big challenge. And sometimes you have the funding, but you don't have the right resources or the right people in place. Uh, we struggle with marketing, right? We don't have a marketing person and stuff right now and on staff. And, and we, we get to do it ourselves and we get to, tell the story the best we can. But eventually, if we have the funds, we're gonna bring a marketing firm that can hopefully help us tell the story. Or we can bring volunteers who are in the marketing uh, world who can help us tell the story. So things like that. I guess that um, our ambassadors are our volunteers. And we work hard to keep these volunteers engaged and, and connected with our organization. We go on these medical trips and we go to Kenya, we go to Honduras, we go to the DR, and we bring a bunch of volunteers that have never seen each other, a bunch of strangers, and then we come back and everybody's like good friends and, and they really care about the organization and they understand the challenges and they all wanna be part of the change. And that's magical, that's truly amazing. 
So I, I strongly believe that that our major blessing, our biggest blessing, blessing is our volunteers. So sometimes you you're lucky enough to have volunteers who are willing to donate their time, to donate their money, donate their their knowledge, and to help you. And sometimes you gotta go and find uh, more formal resources to make it happen, like a marketing firm, for example. True. I mean, I understand that. That's. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I know from a lot of the nonprofits we've worked with in the past, that's that's been their biggest struggle. It's like how to market. But when we go in there and we consult and we tell them, this is how you're supposed to do it. And it's like, it flips a switch for them because it's like, it's everything becomes so much more uh, like enhanced because now they're reaching more of an audience. And, and, to, and what, I, what I found with nonprofits, they can hire marketing firms to do it for them. But when they're able to get someone on the team to invest the time to learn and be consulted, you guys have someone forever, you know, and that's always been the biggest gift we've given nonprofits is just teaching somebody a skill that they could take very far for the, for the team, you know? Sure. So now I guess, cause you're in Cleveland, Ohio, there's a lot of Jews kids out there. So if any, if you get any of you guys are listening to this, you know where to find Carolina cause she's going to need help. You know, it's funny because I've seen I've seen some of um, our Druze kids here posting on their social media that they they came to Medwish to volunteer, and I'm I'm mad. I'm like, hey, why didn't you tell me you were here? I should have came down and said and said hi. So they come and they volunteer, which is awesome. So I truly, I mean, encourage them to do it more often. It's 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 really fun. It is. It's nice, and when the community is able to step in and help you, especially achieve that vision, it's, it's absolutely a wonderful thing. Absolutely. So tell me, Carolina, what is, so someone who's super busy mm -hmm. and has an executive role and has to manage all these different hats, what do you do to give yourself some self-love? What is, what is that? What, how do you, I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but I'm just curious. Oh, funny because today we were having lunch and I left my husband to go to the dining room table to do a Game of Thrones puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just need to decompress. <laughs> so I started working with my puzzle today. Um, but that's not something that I do quite often. <laughs> I, I love to travel. I, I really love to travel. Um, I spoil my myself every once in a while and I go to a spa. I think that I totally deserve it. Um, and I love talking to my friends. Like every once in a while, I FaceTime with my friends all over the world and I'm like, hey, what you're up to? And we just sit down in our PJs with a mug of coffee and chat. That, that gives me lots of happiness. I'm not somebody that will go to a club and go for drinks. I mean, I, I might have a drink and this is it for me. Um, <laughs> But I just enjoy quality time with people that I love. I, I, I truly like that. And the whole puzzle thing, it's something new. Who knows? <laughs> Might be doing more puzzles. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? Right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So that's, a, that's, that's beautiful. That means that you really do try to balance your life, which is very important, you know? I try. You're in. Um, so I guess my biggest question is the last thing. I mean, not the last thing. There's many more. But what is your – I mean, this is a big – what your your position is very huge because you're you're not just dealing with um, just like companies or businesses you're dealing with people's lives. Mm -hmm. What is your next ten year ten year five year plan? What it, what's what's the goal with either you being are you gonna you know I don't want to say if you're gonna stay with Medwish I'm sure you want to stay with them but what's your next ten year plan? So as I said when I was hired I told the organization I wanted to help them go to the next level. I'm not sure if we're there yet but we're very close mm -hmm. and uh, right now that we just launched this new strategic plan and we're working with this new domestic giving program I think that they're going to have me around for the next few years. I really want to make sure that, that we launch it and that it is fully established and that the community knows about it. So 
if I have to talk about the next five years, most likely I'm going to be around Medwish. And if not, probably I'll be working in some other crazy project. But I, I think um, the nonprofit role will have Carolina for, for a little bit of time, <laughs> for a little bit more time. That's exciting. So the, I, I hope this, I'm excited to hear about the strategic plan and see where it takes you guys. I'm sure you guys are not allowed to talk about it, but you know, that's exciting. That's really exciting. It is. It is. We, I mean, as I said, it's, uh, it's an organization that has been in existence for 25 years and does an, an amazing job, including the community. It does an amazing, amazing job helping people all over the world, people who probably we will never know about. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I tell my volunteers when I have the chance to talk to them is like, hey, you're driving 20 minutes and you come to this massive warehouse and you help us touch so many lives. I mean, how cool is that? Same um, thing with those who decide to go on an airplane with us and go to Honduras or go to Kenya places and go to a remote village where we're not staying in any fancy hotels. And, and we just wake up every day to do clinic days and to get to see the people who look up to us. And, and that's, that's a pretty awesome feeling as well. Uh, I think I can talk about this for, our, for hours and I can perhaps transmit my energy by telling you how great it is to do good. I'm with you 100%. When you serve people, that's a life to live for. So I, I think it's a, it's a very um, beautiful thing what you do. It really does. I know that you guys go to these different countries to support them at the time that you're there. What do you do to make sure that they're continually supported when you're gone? Is there something that Medwish continues for them? Yeah. So we, we do have recipients in more than 110 countries. Right. And uh, these recipients are generally vetted. We got to make sure they're legitimate. They do exist. They're going to truly help us deliver the supplies and have the equipment in places that are um, responsible and know how to, to use them. Um, something that we have done also in the past, we have served when there are natural disasters. And uh, wow. surprisingly, and, and that's usually a very sensitive topic because people always think well we just gotta help we just gotta put whatever we have in a container and send it and unfortunately it doesn't work like that there are some assessments that need to take place before we just send a container because we can just add more headache more than supporting the community at that point so um as my my founder uh, the founder of madwish and the president always says we are usually in the area once the TV and the media is gone. That's when we come into place and we're truly try, trying to help these hospitals and these clinics to, to replenish all the things that they don't have anymore, to, to bring the new equipment because the hurricane destroyed everything or the earthquake destroyed everything. Uh, but there's a lot of assessment and a lot of um, work that needs to happen before that. We had the opportunity to serve Puerto Rico when Maria hit the island and that was a big challenge for us because, again, the whole country wanted to do something and people wanted to, to send supplies and send humanitarian aid, but we truly couldn't understand what was happening there in the ports. I mean, the port was, was blocked with thousands of containers of things that they probably didn't need at that time. So we really need to trust the authorities. We need to let them do their job and then talk to agencies like Medwish and tell us what the needs are. And that's when we, that's when we act upon. Wow. I like that you said that because you're not just there to help, just to help. You want to make sure the help is needed and it's the right time. And it's not just, let's just give all the clothes, all the food, all, you know what I'm saying? Like everything that they need. It's, it's to make sure that we're doing things right. That's very smart. I can see you're a very good executive director. Oh, 
well, my one of my last questions is, um, so on your journey, and it seems like it was a very, very well, you know, very long, but lots of experiences went, you went through. What is one truth you found to be true to you to help you continue on your journey that you would like to share with everyone else that's listening? I think you have to, you have to, I think I've said it, you have to work hard and you have to understand that you can achieve as much as you can. Um, there is a saying in Spanish, el que quiere puede, mm-hmm. he who wants can, right? So if you really want it, go for it. It's not going to come to you on its own, okay? It could probably be in front of you, but you need to work hard to, to get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that to everybody, really, who really wants to do something can achieve it, but it has to be here and it has to be here. I love that. It's very powerful. Carolina, thank you. Sure. Where can we find you? Um, you know, are there any websites, uh, social media links that you would like us to follow or go on if anyone wants to reach out to you about volunteer work or maybe even donations? So uh, certainly, Mad Wish International is on Facebook. You can also find me, Carolina Masri, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Um, happy to share my email, carolinamasri at hotmail.com. Um, but any questions, if anybody's interested in being part of our efforts with Medwish, if anybody needs mentorship, if they're struggling not knowing if they want to go into the nonprofit world or not, happy to, to assist anybody in any way I can. And I promise to be <laughs> as honest as I can. That's awesome. Carolina, thank you so much. Seriously, um, it's been an honor having you on here. And I'm really excited when we put this out there because I think everyone's going to just love hearing what you have to say and, and really be inspired to start doing more for the communities and help thank men with you. So much. And, and thank you truly for hosting these. Uh, thanks to these sponsors. I, I understand that there are some sponsors behind these podcasts. So thank you to them for their generosity and congratulations for the team for this initiative. This is wonderful. So thank you so much. We're happy to do it. So anything we can give value. So great. Thank you. Well, guys, stay tuned for the next episode. And if like Carolina said, if you need anything, she's, she has her email, just email her with any questions. She'll be gladly to answer them. All right, guys, till next time.